Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Unlonely Planet. In the International Journal of Aging and Human Development, there was a study done in 2016, and it estimated that one quarter of people may feel lonely on a regular basis. And what about even going further, those feelings of loneliness that we might have when we're amongst people, right? Such as the loneliness felt when your experience of life is different than those around you, or the feelings of loneliness brought on by feeling unseen or misunderstood. I think loneliness is a topic we need to be talking about. I think it's felt for different people at different times in their life. And I'm really happy to be having this conversation with my guest today, Jillian Richardson. She is absolutely committed to creating connection and community by organizing places where people feel seen and heard and valued, really building communities. And she's a public speaker. She's a writer. She's most known for being the founder of The Joy List, which is a weekly newsletter with the mission of reducing loneliness in New York City. And they're expanding that out into other places in the world. We talk in this episode about how Jillian felt when she first moved to New York. We talk about how she started the Joy List and why she started it. Um, she's been sending out the Joy List every Monday for three years now and helping thousands of people build connection. It's so awesome. And this is an incredible episode. If you love it and you think loneliness is something we need to be talking more about, then share it with your friends, right? Share the love. Nobody should feel alone. And in addition to her successful career in community consulting and event design and building communities, we also talk about her book, which I think is amazing. I love the beginning of her book. Like the story she tells at the very beginning of the book is so good. It's called The Unlonely Planet. So with no further ado, Jillian Richardson. Jillian, I am so glad you're here with us today on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I appreciate it. Yeah. So like I was sharing with you before we started, you know, a book, The Unlonely Planet, um, just absolutely resonates with me. It resonates with me at a very deep level because, you know, we don't really know each other that well, but I'll share a little bit about why it resonates because I, when I was young, saw things that other people didn't see, like, um, you know, spirits and other dimensions and things like that. And so, that can be a very lonely place. Like when we're experiencing life differently and we discover, especially as a child, that we're experiencing life very differently than other people around us. It's like, 
I remember waking up to that. It's like, oh, no one else has seen this. Like, what is up with that? And so much of my younger life, it felt a little lonely in my perception of the world. And I think that this is such an important conversation to have about this loneliness factor and the different ways that we feel alone. And so when I found out that you sat down and not only lived this beautiful journey and shared it in this book, but that you wrote this book as like, she's got to come on the show and talk about this. So we're happy you're here. Thank you. And I just, I'm hearing you say that you felt like your experience wasn't understood by the people around you. And you felt like there was an aspect of yourself that you couldn't share, that like it wasn't safe. And I feel like so many people relate to that. If it's their sexuality, if it's just their emotions in general, that I think is one of the biggest things that causes loneliness is people being afraid to share their full selves and feeling almost shame around parts of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, and there's no bigger time, I think, on the planet where we're starting to have those things rise to the surface and be able to talk about them a little bit more. And and I also think, because I'm of the same like mindset of like sharing your journey, like you share some really awesome things in this book about your journey and feeling lonely. And one of the things that like was really impactful was the concept of you live in New York, right? And you're around and you, when you got there, there was just tons of people you thought, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to you know, get around a bunch of people. And then you still felt lonely. And so many people will tell me, like in private sessions, like I'm around a lot of people. I just feel lonely. So can you share a little bit about your journey with that? Yeah. And this is a thing that's definitely still unfolding for me, but I think I was just kind of following the script that was given to me of how you're supposed to make friends, which is you find people who like an activity that you like. For me, I wasn't working a traditional nine to five job. So I was really in the improv comedy scene in New York City. So go to improv class with the same people, go to shows with comedy people, uh, go out to bars with them on weekends. And while we liked the same thing, it's, and I love them as people, but they weren't necessarily lifting me up. It was a culture of kind of making fun of each other, of making jokes, of being self-deprecating. And I didn't feel a challenge to become a better version of myself. And if anything, I felt put down. I was putting myself down. Other people were subtly putting me down. And I just knew that I was at a stage of my life. I just moved to New York City after college where I could put myself into new situations. And so I started going to things on my own saying, okay, my people are out there. Like, I know relationships can be better than this. So I went to festivals by myself. I went to retreats by myself. I went to events in New York City by myself. I just went for it. And it took a long time. And there was a lot of times where I showed up at an event, didn't really connect with people. And it would be very easy for me to say, oh, just goes to show people don't like me. I'm awkward. Making friends is hard. I'm going to give up. But I didn't because I just had that belief that this is a thing like a romantic relationship. It takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. And I think we're not taught that, that we should just know how to make friends. We should have these skills, but we don't. Man, it's so true. I don't think there's anyone on the planet, I'm going to venture to say that, that hasn't 
gone to something in their lifetime, like a gathering or a group, or even like in a classroom or in college or whatever, and you walk in there and you don't know anybody and it's just uncomfortable, right? Like, and everybody, a lot of times, if everyone's new to the environment, they're all, everyone's uncomfortable and you just feel this energy and we don't know how, I mean, I think there are certain people in the room, you talk about it as connectors, that are those people that love, they're the ones to say, hey, meet this person, meet that person. And, and they're wonderful and they kind of break the ice. But I don't think we're taught how to move into new circumstances and how to really connect with people. Totally. It's a thing that, so I host a monthly event in New York City called the Joylist Social. And it's an event for New Yorkers to come alone, leave with a new friend. It's literally a space for people to make new friends. And I realized I have to say multiple times throughout the event to everyone, everyone is here to talk to you. If you're feeling social anxiety, it's lying to you. Everyone literally showed up because they want to make new friends. They're excited to talk to you. And every time I say it, it's like people's bodies relax a little bit because there's just this deeply embedded fear of people don't want to talk to me. It's going to be awkward. I don't know what to say. And so the point is kind of just to give people some tools to feel safe and to feel like it's okay to have a little bit of a deeper conversation. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, it was at the beginning of your book when I was reading it, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, we don't think about these things in our daily life. Like you get thrown into an event, you feel uncomfortable, you think I'm not going to go back there again, right? Or I'm not going to put myself out there again. And then people kind of give up. Like you say, it's like, it takes showing up and continuing to show up. And when I read some of the statistics in your book, it really made me think about it on such a deeper level. You talk about that 39% of Americans ages 18 to 39 have no religious affiliation. And in the past, you know, religion was really where we came together and where we connected. And that is a number that's up from 10% in the past 30 years. So you have a lot less, you know, getting together around religious beliefs going on. And then you talk about how, you know, the average person in the U.S. only has one close friend and that 75% of the people are not satisfied with their friendships. And there's just a lot of interesting statistics around this loneliness factor. And then you even bring in how we, how our health suffers from that, right? When we feel alone and we feel like nobody cares about us, like we're probably not taking as great care of ourselves. I mean, there's so many factors to this that I think are so socially important that we need to look at and understand um, and start to have a shift with. And so I had never thought about it that way. And you also use the word in the book, which I want you to talk about, healthy congregation and the word congregation, which largely I think for most people has a religious connotation, but why is that word so powerful for you? And why did you choose that word? So for me, thank you for that question. I, I chose the word congregation because it has a power to it. It's got this kind of feeling of sacredness. And when you look in the dictionary, like yes, congregation can be a group of people in a church, but it's really just a group of people who come together and that got me thinking, okay, there's all of these young people, especially, who are moving away from organized religion. We haven't found something to fill that gap of connecting meaningfully with people on a consistent basis. We don't have a path how to grow in ourselves spiritually, connecting to our higher power. What do we do? What do we need? Because friends, 
I feel like we've kind of lost the meaning of the word friend. It's kind of like, oh, this is my friend and it's someone who we've talked to three times in our entire life. And so to say, okay, what if our friends were our congregation? Were the people we went to when we were in times of crisis, when we need help, the people who we help, the people who we get together with consistently, that can be our congregation. And I like playing with that word because it really just shows how critical friendships really are and how deep they can truly go. Yeah. And what, why do you think, do you think it's just the era that we're living in um, that is desiring more connection? Because I think, you know, even though people used to gather around religious beliefs, like, do you think there's a deeper desire now for a deeper connection just as a collective? I think it's both. Really, I feel like the, the easier answer is that there's so many people moving away from organized religion, or if they are still a part of an organized religion, they're not going super consistently. It's not necessarily a giant part of their lives. It might just be someone who identifies as Jewish and they go to a Shabbat dinner every Friday. And people who read my book might not necessarily think this, but I do believe that organized religion is a really beautiful and powerful thing. And it does solve a lot of our needs, but for people who that just isn't a fit for them, we do need to find a new solution. So I really think that the moving away from organized religion and this deep sense of disconnection, they're very much linked. We're, most people don't feel connected to a tradition anymore. There's not something that's telling them, and this is me speaking from my personal experience, just craving a guide. I think this is why so many young people are gravitating towards Buddhism right now is because it's saying, hey, here's an actual pathway to enlightenment. These are steps. Question all of them. You're a Buddhist if you're questioning and not believing everything you're told. But that there's most people still are just saying, how do I live a spiritual and meaningful life? We're looking for purpose and it can be really hard to find it. It's just a very human problem. Yeah, it is. For any any age person, I mean, you talk about some of the different, you know, times in people's lives where they might face these different things. Like, I think you mentioned at one point, um, you know, empty nesters, like feeling, you know, that loneliness of their kids going away to school and like, you know, feeling like you're making the transition from school to, let's say, some sort of career or out in, you know, real life, so to speak. Um, there's just a lot of times where there's, there's, it just breeds almost loneliness or times of like, okay, what's the next step and where am I going to connect with people? And you also talk about junk values, which I think was really awesome in the book. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that's a, a phrase from Johan Hari in his book. I believe it's the book Lost Connections, uh, where he talks about what we're taught makes us happy versus what actually makes us happy. So an example he gives is someone like a kid who's taught to play piano. And at first the kid really loves playing piano, but then they try and make it into their career. And they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves and they have to show up at this bar every week so that they can practice and the joy is taken out of it. And now it's not making them happy anymore versus someone who will just sit alone in their home and have this sacred time to play music alone and feeling the difference in how that makes them happy. 
And he, he emphasizes that's an internal value saying, this is for me. This is something I am doing for myself. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. And that's, it really made me reflect on myself of how many things I do. Even if I say I'm doing it for myself, like even just writing a poem, I write a poem, but then I want to put it on Instagram right away. And just noticing that and being like, ooh, I'm really looking for someone else to tell me that I'm good and I'm okay. Yeah, it's so powerful. I actually uh, just recorded a whole episode about that, like about looking for somebody else to validate. Um, it's a, I have people like send questions into the show, like things that I call it their $1,000 question. The thing that in their life, that's like, gosh, why do I do this? Or why, you know what I mean? Why am I like having this keep showing up in my life? And we just talked about that. And I think it's a really powerful thing to recognize. And there's a fine line too, between something being joyful and like when it actually switches over to more duty or it gets out of that joy zone and becomes something I feel like I need to be doing because someone else wants me to be doing it or people expect it. Mm -hmm. It's It's a hard balance. It is. It's, and it's like knowing when that line is crossed, right? It's like, sometimes you end up on the way on the other side of the line and you're like, when did this become not joyful anymore? Like, how did I get over here? Totally. It's so great. And you, um, can you talk about your list? Cause I think this is the coolest thing. I got to tell you when I was reading your book, um, I was really like, just, I guess the word is like feeling, um, I, I don't know, like so excited for you because it feels like your journey is, has been birthed through you in a very authentic way. Meaning, like you had a desire to connect, right? You found that that wasn't happening right away by just going and being around people. Um, You then started to seek something else different. Then you saw a desire to create this list for other people to seek that out, right? It's like this beautiful evolution of just having a personal need and realizing that other people have that need and then being like a leader in fulfilling that need and helping others fulfill that need. And it, and you really give the progression of that in the book. And I think just as an example for all of like the people listening, like sometimes, you know, our, our purpose or our desire or our message finds us and it's literally like we're living through it, right? We're just experiencing life and we're seeing the need for something and we're saying, oh, I'll, I'll help with that, right? I'll show up for that. And I just thought that was really beautiful. Thank you. I, I had a mentor say this to me. He said, our biggest passion tends to be coming from our biggest pain. Definitely. So gorgeous because for me that's definitely one of my biggest woundings is feeling feeling like I'm not being emotionally met feeling like my emotions are invisible feeling like I can't connect with like the people in my family or that there's there was just something missing and it was a hunger for a level of connection that I had never felt until I became an adult and so when I had finally found those spaces in New York City my meditation events, my digital detox retreats, my sober dance parties. I had all of these incredible things. And then in November, 2016, Trump was elected. And in New York City, I kind of started to hear people 
saying really negative things like, I feel like I can't trust people anymore. I feel like people are bad. Like everything, like stuff, like everything's on fire. Like America's a trash fire now. And it was a very interesting juxtaposition of me feeling so open and loving for the first time and just supported in New York City versus this just horrible cloud that made everything seem like it was terrible and bad. And I wanted to say, hey, I get where you're coming from. And literally any day in New York City where you're feeling like you can't trust people anymore, there are at least two things going on every day of the week where you can feel in community. And so that's why I started it, was just to say, here you go. Here's all the things I was looking for for like over a year. I wish I knew they existed when I moved here. And, but then I kept doing it because all of a sudden this bizarre thing started happening where I would be at a party and someone would kind of pull me aside and be like, are you like the loneliness person? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Build these secrets. I don't know. It just, like, I would be talking to a Lyft driver and they'd be like, oh, weird. Like, I've had a bunch of passengers talking about loneliness recently. And like people who didn't live in New York City started emailing me. And that's when I started doing the research and realizing, oh, wait, like, this isn't just a problem that I feel like I have and maybe some other people have. Like, this is, loneliness is America's number one health issue and people are not talking about it. Yeah. And thank goodness you're talking about it. And so for people, the, the list, you, the list still comes out, right? It's just New yeah. York right now, right? Every Monday in New York city. And where can people go to sign up? If you're listening and you're in New York, you need to go do some of the stuff. First, you need to read her book because <laughs> then you'll see how totally fun some of these amazing events are. Yes. Then you're going to sign up for the list and get yourself down there. Where do people go? So the website is joylist.nyc and there's also a tab for if you're interested in bringing the joylist to your city because me and my collaborator Tony we want to soon mobilize all of these folks who've reached out and said hey I want to host something in my city we're actually working on a guidebook that we're calling recipes for belonging and we want to show people all the different ways that you can bring folks together in a super simple, easy, ideally free way. Because, of course, not every city is New York City. There's not a million things to do every night. But that means you have the power to create the spaces that you want to see. And we want to make that really easy. Oh, I love that. What a great mission. I mean, I just picture like a fully networked group all over the place. And like, as people travel, which so many people do these days for work and life and whatever, I mean, the world's getting smaller. You could just go and get the list and, you know, kind of know that you're going to go to a place where you can be seen and, and be connected with. I mean, one of the things you talk about with healthy congregation is not just people getting together in the same room. It's people showing up consistently, having vulnerable conversation, like reflecting, being there, like really being with people Um, and, and guiding, you know, having people that guide the group and people that, you know, guide the connections and the relationships. And so I think it's another level of being that people truly desire. Like I don't, I mean, I don't know. The people that I know, most of the people that I know don't want to go to some event where it's like, hi, what do you do? You know, it's this very surface level and it feels very uncomfortable, I think, for a lot of people. And so this is a whole different, I think, concept than where people have been in the past. 
totally. We, we know that we want to connect and we know that kind of like these things that people have just been lazily hosting for forever, like these classic panels and just quote unquote networking events where it's just a bunch of people drinking in a room, they don't work. They're just really, they're really lazy. Yeah. And I think that's just a testament to, you know, showing up with the energy and the commitment and the care and the heart open. And then people being able to basically step into that energy and step into that space and then their hearts open, right? And they open up. Like we've also, most of us that are probably listening to this show, myself included, have also been in spaces. Like I remember going into my first like sacred circle experience and just being like, um, hello, like where has this been all my life? Like immediately, right? Just dropping into the moment and feeling so connected. And, you know, of course there were emotions and people sharing deep things. And I'm like, this is my jam. Like I need, I need to be around more of this because this is the level that I exist on. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and you bring up a point like many times, you know, we don't necessarily, we didn't necessarily have in our family of origin people that connected on that level, right? I mean, for a lot of people, we grow up, you know, not necessarily with our soul family. They're our human family, but they're not always like at the depths of our soul family. And so this is why I think this is so valuable and so important to find this out in the world. Totally. And a thing that I... I keep working on saying this because I know a lot of the things that I feature currently are kind of more on the the woo-woo spectrum and I'm working on having a more diversity of events, but that no matter where you are in the world, there are spaces where you can share and be vulnerable with people that are not quote unquote hippie spaces. And that the 12 step programs are a perfect example of this. Or for example, Alcoholics Anonymous. In New York City, I think there's like 60 Alcoholics Anonymous events every day. It's wild. So if you're if you're looking for a space where you can just be with people that are being real and they're doing the, the work to be better, there's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. There's Under Earners Anonymous, which is for people who feel like they have low self-worth. It's... It's something that's truly incredible. I know it's changed the lives of so many people I know, and they're the least hippie rooms you could ever find. It's just people speaking truth and supporting each other. Mm, so powerful. I love that you added that in there as well. Although I would say that probably most of the people that live in <laughs> that listen to my show are probably somewhere in the woo, at least one woo category, if not a double woo-woo. Um, because we talk a lot about that. But, um, but I think that point is so valid that you know, wherever you're resonating or whatever you're resonating with, there can still be deep connection at any level that you're at, right? Like whatever you're interested in, it's finding that deep connection in your interest space and where you're at. And I think that's awesome that you're doing that with the list too. And really, you know, really talking to a broad audience. Um, Because again, I see from your, the way you framed it, I see the significance to our physical health. I see the significance to how we move through the world, to how we work in our job, right? Through connection. And you talk about, oh my gosh, I have to bring this up. You talk about going and giving hugs. Where were you again? I was in Union Square in New York City. Yes. And going and giving hugs to people. And I literally like felt so moved by that. 
and having just so many people from, you know, all different walks of life and men and women and, and really saying like, gosh, I needed that, right? Like we don't just get a hug and we don't just have somebody look us in the eyes. And I just felt like that was a really cool part of the book. I'm not going to give away every single thing in your book because I think people (laughs) definitely need to go read it. So go grab a copy of Unlonely Planet by Jillian Richardson. It's so awesome, you guys. Um, It'll really make you think differently about this, this loneliness factor. And I think, you know, as a collective, if we all kind of start stepping up, um, to putting ourselves around energy that feels good to us and people that can really see us, that that contributes to the healing of the entire planet. It's not just our own lives, but those ripple effects go out. And so I think that's amazing. And I'm going to ask you four questions now. Whew, settle in your seat. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> um, this is based on a process that I take people through called the anatomy of transformation. There are four steps in the process. The first one is truth. I believe that when we get to our deepest truths, that it it proves to be a powerful catalyst in our life that opens doors for us, Um, certainly has us see things that we've never seen before. So what is a big truth that you have come across in your life, maybe even recently? Mm, A big truth I have come across in my life. Like right now, it's not to listen to what other people say I should do and to trust my own intuition. And especially in terms of, I've been in a lot of conversations with wealthy older men recently around kind of like funding and sponsorships and all of these things. And while I am very open to being mentored and coached and getting advice, also for me, I need to keep in mind that I'm making something that's never been created before. And I'm really working on coming from a very heart-centered, very loving, community-centered space. And I've created a thing that's really loved in New York City. And to trust that part of myself, because there's this big voice in my head that says, oh, this man is so much older than you. He's got all of this money. He's got all of this status. So you should listen to him. And it's really hard to, to find the balance. Yeah. And I'm so glad you bring that up because, um, you know, you are the mother of this, this baby, this mission, right? It came through you. It was this, this concept idea was birthed through you. And so it's most important that you parent it in the way that feels good and right to you. Mm -hmm. That's why it came through you, right? And when we have powerful things come through us that start to serve people, um, there are all kinds of people that want to come in and be a part of that, right? Or have a piece of that or guide that. And really, I think if you always remember um, that ultimately at the end of the day, if you really look at it like a child to you, right? Like that it is, that it, it came to you for a specific reason and that you will always be its best parent and you will know in your heart, like when there are other people to step into that relationship, right? That'll be valuable. And so not ever to question that. Yeah. Um, but to, to know, like it grows all in its own time and divine timing, right? In the way that it's supposed to with the people that it's supposed to when you listen to your gut. 
Totally. Right? So really cool. And then on the tail end of like truth, right, we're always going to see things that need to be released. So the second pillar is really release. And it's like, oh my gosh, here comes this truth in. Okay, now I'm like kind of like digesting this truth. What is it that needs to be released um, that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to mind when I say in regards to other people and people that are older and that have money kind of talking to you about what to do with this. I think I need to release the idea that someone is going to fix this for me or someone's going to save this thing for me that at the end of the day, it is me who is in control of all of this. Because I think I kind of have this fantasy of someone coming and being like, cool, I see what you're doing. I'm going to give you all this money. I'm going to help you scale this thing. Uh, I'll like run it with you. And yes, that can happen. And who knows? And noticing that there's a part of me that wants to step away from the power that comes from me truly being in charge of this because the power is scary. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I need to release the idea that like, I'm not powerful. So awesome. It's so awesome. And I think too, when you're making a journey and you're raising a child, basically, right? It's not, it's a 24 seven like commitment. And there are times too, and it feels like, oh, can someone just come in so I can, you know what I mean? Take a break from this or like, or rescue this part of it for me so I can just take a breather for a second. Um, and it's also like such part of the journey that I'm so glad you brought this up because it is for everybody about being able to resonate at that new frequency of power, right? Of inner, like not power, like um, overpowering, but inner power, like that inner light, that inner um, ability to connect at a much bigger level and to bring in more knowledge and to bring in more, um, more goodness that you already, I mean, look at what you've already birthed. It's so awesome. So I love that. It's so good. And the third pillar is experience which is the shift that happens in our experience of who we are in the world after we release something. So literally, once we start to release things, because we've seen the truth, our experience of ourselves changes. Our experience of the world changes. Therefore, it changes the types of people that step into our life, right? The types of opportunities that come. There's an energetic release in between the release and the experience section. So what has been new in your experience? Ooh, the new in my experience, this is very fun, is um, trusting that I have an abundance of opportunities and that I am worth a good amount of money for my time and my expertise. This has been such an interesting shift of like, this was, I think it was two weeks ago, I had someone reach out to me about emceeing their conference for the whole day and kind of like leading connection exercises and doing all this stuff. And I had no idea how much to charge. And a friend of mine wrote a book about speaker fees. <laughs> it was like, hey, uh, how much do you think? It's called The Breakthrough Speaker by Adam Smiley. Uh, shout out to Smiley. I was like, how much do you think I should charge? And he was like, Jillian, like, you're literally an expert in this field. Don't ever do anything for less than $5,000. And like, you, for a full day, you should be probably charging $10,000. And in my brain, I was like, that is way too much money. I cannot ask for that. Like what? And I had to have like five other people talk to me about it. And they were all like, no, that seems very normal. Like do that. And 
I felt, I was so scared to send this email that I literally had to have a friend with me when I sent it. I was like shaking. And now that I've done it, I'm like, oh, okay. I just asked for $10,000 for something. Like now I can do that again. It's so awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, you know, in my coaching practice, like I can't, everyone has that conversation at one point or another, like when you're ready to go to the next level and it doesn't matter whether it's 5,000, 10,000, a hundred thousand, 1,000, right? It's like wherever you're at and you're ready to like say, no, I'm worth this. Mm -hmm. Then it always is like, oh my gosh, right? Like you almost start sweating. It's like, I don't know if I can push the send button. Um, And yet that's how we continue to like expand right? Mm-hmm. What is possible in the world and see the world reflect back to us our value and worth. And so yeah. I love that. It's so exciting. You're at such an awesome point of growth. I just want to acknowledge Thank that. You. I'm yeah. I'm like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, it's so cool. And the fourth step is align, which is really how we stay in a high frequency place, how we stay in good energy, that energy that keeps drawing in and magnetizing more opportunities in our life. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's rituals or practices or congregation, healthy congregation, like what is it for you that keeps you in the alignment of, of continuing to grow, right? And, and parent this baby of yours and expand it. Mm, I love this question too, because I've been very actively working on having more thing, more practices in my life that are very consistent, because if I'm not doing a practice with other people involved, I will stop doing it. Uh, so for me, one, I'm a member of a church, actually. I'm a member of Judson Memorial Church in New York City. So I do that every week. I'm in my own 12-step program. So I go to those meetings three times a week. I have a group of friends. We get together on Wednesday nights and we meditate and we discuss a spiritual reading. I do that every Wednesday. I have a women's circle. We meet every other week. So I have them. And then for myself in the mornings, my practice is just yoga and journaling and I write poems and I pray. Now that is ritual, my friends. That is so beautiful. And I love that you bring up the consistency factor. Like, hey, if I'm not committed to this with other people, like eventually I'm going to stop showing up to it. And this is, I think, on along the lines of personal responsibility, like knowing what we need to show up to what keeps us in alignment, right? So for some people, they might have certain rituals. You guys might have certain rituals you do. And you do show up consistently, you know, individually to do that ritual, great, right? If it works for you, awesome. But sometimes we have to know the ways that we opt out, right? Or the ways that we fall out of alignment or the ways that we don't show up for ourselves and really get real with ourselves about it and get the support that we need to continue to do that. So I love that you're doing that. And I love that you share about that. And I just think what you're doing is really cool. It feels like um, it's really growing and going to continue to just grow in big ways. It feels very, very authentic. Like I said, like just birthed through you in the most real way from a core desire that was so um, true and right. And and I just want to say that with the energy on the planet at this time, when things are birthed from a very true and authentic core desire, um, that, that is the energy that we're moving into as a culture on this planet. And so it is supported so much by, um, by higher vibrations that it's really just about staying the course and staying true to it and allowing it its own time to grow up. 
right? And to grow into what it's going to grow into. So I just want to give you that affirmation that's kind of coming through for you, um, just to bless you on your path ahead. And, and we're so happy you came here to hang out with us and to share this. And so I hope you guys go and grab the book, The Unlonely Planet, sign up for the newsletter that she sends out or the list that she sends out. Um, and if you feel called, if you're listening from an area that is not New York City and you feel called to start, you know, doing healthy congregation, I'm sure um, she'd love to collaborate with you and talk about doing this. So don't hesitate, right? To reach out. Sometimes I feel like people will say, oh, I don't want to bother you. I don't reach out. I'm like, yo, this is why we're here. Like reach out, right? If you have something to contribute and you want to show up and create something, all of us that are creating things on the planet are going to be happy to hear from you. So just, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so fun. So happy to meet you. Thank you for having me, Shana. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. Thank you.